Hello, everybody, and thank you for checking out the Level 30 Games podcast. A quick disclaimer before we get into the actual episode is to note that this taping went very long, so we split up this episode into two parts, which we'll be releasing the second half of uh, in just a little while. So please know that in the beginning of the show, while I do mention some things that we don't get to in this episode, it's because we split that into its own separate episode. That being said, the game of the decade topic will be in part two, so look forward to that. It's a doozy, but well worth your time. That's all for now. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Level 30 Games Podcast. My name is Tom, and I'm joined here today by some lovely folks who are going to uh, go on a ride with us as we take a tour through the years and talk about our games of the year, our games, the decade, and of course, uh, what's going on in the news today being shortly thereafter the Game Awards. So we got some things to talk about there. So I would like to welcome to our show today, Joseph. Hey, everyone. How are we doing today, Joe? Doing okay. You know, just uh, waiting to start an hour late. That's right. And speaking of starting an hour late, the person to thank for that also joining us today is Kevin. Kevin, what's going on, my man? I feel personally attacked and it's okay. <laughs> you have been personally attacked. person who also was worried about the schedule and I'm the reason we were starting late. Well, these things happen as yeah. they happen in a world where anything could happen. But on the plus side, 2021 is all right around the corner. We're hoping that spells good things for us as, um, I'll just say humanity, um, but it goes, right? And for those of you listening, please know that just because the calendar moves over doesn't mean that we don't have things to worry about or things to fix or people to care for and consider. So hopefully the start of next year for everyone is starting on the right foot. Let's just go with that and are, are looking up. So thank you guys for taking the time to join me today. Um, I lied about that rundown. Today we're actually going to be doing a collective uh, watch of Love Actually, the greatest holiday movie of all time. And we'll be doing a um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 uh, voiceover on top of that. So I hope you're ready. Does that sound good for you guys? Seeing as I've never seen the movie yet, I'm excited. <laughs> Hey, Joe, you're in for a treat. <laughs> Wept off your feet in more ways than one. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to be doing that at all. In fact, I did want to start our show today by talking about some stuff in the news, but primarily, um, you know, a quick look back at the Game Awards, which have been a yearly staple since 2014. So we've entered our sixth year of those. And um, sometimes bigger, sometimes better. I know we've got some thoughts on that as we were chatting uh, pre-show, during, and after the awards ceremony. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump down our rundown a little bit. We'll get to some of the award winners and some of the big announcements there. But um, like, I, I, let's start with Kevin. Overall impressions of the show. What did you think this year? Uh, overall, I was not expecting that Smash reveal to be the start of the show. Um, but overall, I was. It was okay. I wasn't like, there wasn't a lot in there that I was interested in. It was a cool show overall. I feel like it was better than last year or the year before. There was like one or two years where it was kind of whatever. But the way they, they did it and with the current situation is was good. But uh, it was okay. I can think next year I'm just going to not watch it and look at all the things that they tweet five minutes after. 
all the reveals. Kind of, I almost feel the same way uh, in that I, I got to the end of this and was kind of rooting for it to just be over already. Um, and have that same sentiment of if this is what it's going to be, then yeah, I'll just, I'll read the highlights tomorrow. Joe, what, what were your thoughts uh, throughout that as a whole, the show as a whole? Uh, I mean, I feel like I had the same sentiments that everyone else did. I mean, me and you were talking about it and I was talking about it with another group of friends and we all were kind of thinking the same thing. What is this? What's going on? Why is this trailer running for so long? Um, I mean, I personally, as someone who doesn't really like, like, celebrities or personalities. I genuinely like Jeff Cuby's like personality. Uh, I like him. So I think he does a good job with the show. Uh, I think his shoes were a very big highlight. Um, so he, he really does. He, he had, you know, a great outfit and then these bright shoes that were out there. So, I mean, the show is kind of what it was in, in every other year. It's a bunch of reveals with some awards sprinkled in. I think there were less awards this year than previously. Um, but I'm kind of giving it a little pass just because, I mean, a lot of games have come out, but this is a weird year for stuff. I don't know if we were really uh, looking for some really big AAA titles, but there were a lot of uh, trailers that kind of left me scratching my head wondering why we were watching them for five straight minutes. <laughs> um, so one of my issues with this on a fundamental level is that it's called the Game Awards, and man, did they just kind of gloss over the actual award portion? I mean, one, it seemed like there were fewer this year, Kevin. I think because they announced a good majority, not majority of them, but like some of the smaller awards um, pre-show. Yeah. And, you know, like I had to read on Twitter that Animal Crossing won Family Game of the Year because that wasn't apparently an important enough category to make the actual primetime slot. I think they did that last year too, where the pre-show had a bunch of the awards announced. And when they announced the awards, it's just like, oh, you know, best fan of the game, Animal Crossing, that, and then they move on to something else, like a celebrity or something different. Yeah, and listen, I know the Academy Awards has been doing this as well, is that there are just way too many things to recognize. And, and that's, that's, of course, a topic of conversation. A lot of the technical awards, they actually have their own kind of untelevised ceremony and awards show for that don't make the primetime cut. So I understand that element of it um, to some degree. I don't know if that makes it excusable, but for me this year, it really felt like the theme of the show was let's show people as much cool shit as possible to you know get some buzz around this. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll drop some awards along the way, but they never really seemed to be the priority or focus of the show. Um, and that kind of bummed me out a little bit. Like it was nice to uh, have some folks there, you know, video conference wise to, to make a speech. And that was really great. But you were right, Kevin, they would say, all right, um, here's, you know, for best score. Uh, okay, Final Fantasy VII. And Jeff would be like, congrats, Square. And then that would be it. Like, you know, we're not really recognizing the artists behind these games in a, in a meaningful way. And I really think to me, as someone who creates things, that just kind of degrades what we do even further. It's not about the process or the artist, it's about the final product. And in a culture, you know, referring to gaming, that is so surface level with most people, right? It's about, is this game good? Not even, is this game amazing or is it shit? Because there's very little middle ground and people take a stance in either camp and, and get very defensive, but 
you know, they don't think about the, the art and the time and the people that, that go into making these things. And Joe, maybe to some degree, as someone who uh, does their own music and stuff, you can kind of understand that perspective a little bit, right? Am yeah. I in this thinking? No, no. I think that it would be nice for them to, to recognize the people that they're kind of giving those awards to. Um, you know, it's, they might be giving an award for the, the best score, like you said, but they're just saying like, hey, you've got great music and that's the end of it. Well, what about me who had something to do with creating that music uh, and that atmosphere? Um, but I, part of me wonders if it's because, <clears throat> excuse me, part of me wonders if it's because the Game Awards isn't big enough. You know, like do, do the actual uh, contenders in the industry care about the game awards to really you know like I, I can go out there and say hey you guys did a great job with the music but are the people that they're giving their award to or at least the companies do they care enough to come out and say hey thank you we really appreciate what the game awards is doing and what they um what they said for us so i and i can understand that aspect of it because the one thing and again as someone who makes films the academy awards i love that night but that that's a that's an event where viewership has really kind of dwindled year to year um whereas i know numbers haven't been released for the event that happened recently um but in 2018 uh 26.2 million people watched the game awards now i don't know the analytics of those numbers that could be like oh i checked it out on twitch or youtube for a hot second and then bounced um i don't know if that includes i know a lot of um you know YouTubers and streamers were like, hey, I'm going to stream the YouTube. Come watch with me. I don't know if those numbers carry over. Um, last year, they, they, they almost doubled it. They were 45.2 million people. Um, that is an astronomically large number. Again, I don't know how it's calculated. If it's trending in the direction, I, I can't fathom we're going to hit 90 million people watching this. But um, even if it's in that ballpark of 50 million people, I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that it's not big enough or not getting enough attention. I, I think it's getting attention for the wrong reasons. Maybe leading up to this, it was, okay, what do we think they're going to announce? And then it doesn't really become an award show. It becomes like, this is E3 Junior. Uh, yeah. Now, Kevin. That's honestly, that's why people watch the show. Like I watch the Game Awards for reveals. That's it. That's just me. Like... Because that's what they focus on. Right. And, I, and I'm excited to see some of those. And I was bored by a lot of those. Um, you know, but like I was also the person who on my couch like cheered, like legitimately yelled or clapped when a game that I was kind of, you know, rooting for or uh, an actor or, you know, like um, I, I, I got excited for them. And to me, like that's more exciting and personal than, oh, here's a game trailer for a game that, you know, Jesus, couldn't even muster up a title yet. It's just like, it's in, you know, like, and we'll get to some of these reveals, but um, I, I don't know. Like for me, at least it, I, I will admit that there were more reveals this, this year than it felt like last year. And there were more things that for me were generally more interesting, um, especially in the beginning of the show. I think the show is very front loaded with stuff that I think were heavy hitters. And then as the show waned on, there wasn't really too much there. Um, but is there anything like for 2021 that you would want to see changed that would make this a little bit more interesting or have more value to you? I mean, as far as value goes, I, I think that they're, they're giving us the value in the sense that they're giving us the, the trailers and, and the new interesting stuff that people want to see. 
Um, but if we want it to look more like an award show, um, I kind of wonder if they should go with like the, almost like the, the fake it till you make it approach, you know, like pretend that this is twice the size of what it really is. Don't call it the game awards anymore. Call it the, I don't know, call it the gamies, call it the Yoshis, you know, give them, give them an award, you know, like, don't just say, don't just give them uh, like, like acknowledgement, say you guys had a, the great, a great soundtrack that the people picked was the best. Thank you. And, and that's it, you know, have, have somebody come up to represent every game or every studio or whatever, have them out in the crowd, make it look like what we do when we have all of the people sitting in the crowd for um, like, like all the celebrities sitting in the crowd for movies, you know, put a trailer up from every video game to play, you know, do the same thing as you do it. I don't know what the award shows are, Grammys or whatever. Um, do, do something exactly like that and make it feel bigger than it is, but make people feel proud to be like, Hey, I liked that game. I played that game. I bought that game. I voted for that game. These are people that I really like and I want to see them win. You know, I, I think that that part of the the reason that it's not as big and people don't pay as much attention to it is because there aren't celebrities behind a lot of these things. They're, they're internally within the industry, they're celebrities, but they're not public figures. So if you make them look like that, it's going to feel more like an award show and you might get more acknowledgement among the industry as well. Hmm. Kevin, any suggestion would be don't make it almost four hours long. It is, it is a long show. If you go from the pre-show, the pre-show started at six 30 and then the main show ended at 10 um, Eastern time, obviously, because we're all on the East coast here, but it's just, it just felt long. So yeah, did. for me, I think I, we all hit that same wall, like right around nine 30, I think we were texting each other going like, okay, is like, I'm going, is this end at 10 or 11? Cause I really hope it's 10. <laughs> it did feel like a long time. And of course I didn't watch the, the pre-show. I tuned in at seven, three hours is a long time. And I can understand from a demographic standpoint, the same people that watch the game awards are probably not the same audience that watch the Academy awards. And so maybe that's part of the reason why it is uh, set up the way it is. Because if you had a celebrity to announce every category and there was a speech and they did those cutaways and kind of pre like, you know, 10 second snippets, I, that, that, that would add an extra hour right there. So I, I can't argue that they're doing anything wrong because obviously I think they're getting bigger and bigger and more successful every year. Um, despite it being something that, as a 35-year-old uh, who comes to appreciate video games as an art form, this might have just taken six years for me to realize this isn't quite what it originally set out to be and is molded into something different. That's not to say it's bad. I can say objectively, it's, it's just not for me. And you know, like we all agreed, all right, let's just read the stuff tomorrow um, and you know, be cool with that as opposed to spending three to four hours where we're just like, all right, is this over yet? So as with most things with being an adult, you just kind of go, is this worth my time? And maybe this is one of those things that's not, and that's kind of okay. Um, so we'll see what happens next year. You know, you add a live audience element and you know, the ability to have more people present, that might change things. So I'm not gonna say, I'm not gonna watch next year. I mean, I'll give it a shot. And if it's one day and it's a celebratory thing, Again, I, I'm, I'm the antithesis of what I just said. I'm, I'm, I don't like this, but I'll probably end up watching it again. So 
I want to add something real quick, Tom, in case um, any of our viewers, if this was their first Game Awards that they watched, that in the past it has had a live audience and it has had um, people come up and accept the awards and all that stuff. Just this year it was pretty much fully um, digital slash virtual because of the situation globally. So Right. And the fact that they had some live presenters at all was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so let's just, we'll move through some of the um, awards just to bring everyone up the speed uh, there. And if you guys, Joe, Kevin, if you have anything you wanted to, to focus on, um, please stop me in my tracks. I'm not going to go through every category. I'm not going to list every nominee. Um, but just starting it with no particular order at all. However, I ended up writing it. Uh, indie game, action game, which were two separate categories. Hades, um, which kind of became the indie darling of the last few months. It's one of those games that is excellent, I think, um, even if it's not entirely for me. Um, really came out at the right time to kind of sweep these two categories. So kudos to it. Um, Among Us, also another very popular game with a lot of people. Uh, mobile game and multiplayer game of the year. As we mentioned before, best family game was Animal Crossing New Horizons. Um, Final Fantasy VII Remake picked up uh, best score in music. We talked about that for a hot sec, but also best RPG, which was really cool. Um, and then was just, man, the big one. Um, and the anticipated big one, The Last of Us 2 picked up awards for game direction, narrative, audio design, uh, Laura Bailey won for her performance as, as the character Abby. Uh, it also picked up Action Adventure Game of the Year. And maybe even most importantly, especially moving forward now more than ever, uh, it picked up the award for Innovation and Accessibility, which is a really cool addition. I don't know if that was an award they've done prior, but um, accessibility in games and within the industry is something that's kind of becoming a little bit more prevalent. So it was really nice to see that. Um, and just from the small amount of videos I've seen of people with disabilities playing this game, um, man, I, I know there's a prominent figure and I don't remember his name, but like watching him break down in tears over some of the options you have at the start of this game to tailor it to your, um, you know, abilities was just was like heartwarming um, to see that. Uh, and so Kevin wants to know why I didn't mention Ghost of Tsushima at all. Who put that? That, didn't that win a couple of awards? At this um, I, I know it was nominated for a lot. It won a few of the technical awards, um, but it, it was also, it, it fell short in a lot of those categories. Um, and I feel like, again, as someone who watches the Academy Awards, there's always that one that um, you can kind of go, oh, this has a fighting chance if it wasn't in the same category as something else. Um, so I, I know it was up for game of the year and it actually won the people's choice or the people's vote game of the year. Um, but outside of that, uh, it picked up best art direction. Um, and I think that was it. Like it was, it was fairly snubbed in the other categories, but I think obviously um, the heavy hitter and critical darling this year was the last of us part two. Um, which is someone who does a list every year. Well, I, I can see why. Um, so let's let's talk into where any of those like was any of those games that won awards a surprise or shock to you? Um, I like 
I was happy for the team who developed Among Us because when they gave their two acceptance speeches, like the the woman who spoke, like she was she was breaking down into tears of joy. Like it's, it was a team of four people, and I'm not sure if they have a couple other people, but there was four people, and they just seemed like so genuinely um, happy that so many people enjoyed their game. Like that was one thing that stood out to me with this show. Right. Them. It was actually, I chuckled a little bit. You can tell it, they were so blindsided by it that when they won their second award, I, I, she may have been so, but she read the same speech that she wrote before. Like it was almost verbatim because I, I don't think they expected that. And I think that made it so much more genuine and heartfelt in that moment. So yeah, that was really cool to see. Uh, Kev, uh, Joe, anything jump out to you? Uh, I mean, nothing was really a big surprise. It was... I'm not surprised that Among Us won, you know, even multiple times just because that game kind of blew up in the last couple of months, uh, which it's it's funny because the game itself is so it's so simple. Um, but playing it with with other people and playing with people that, you know, is kind of what like brings the fun, you know, uh, because you just I mean, it's like playing Mario Kart or Mario Party, any of those games like you're just yelling at each other over stupid things. And like, you don't even know if the other people were mad. Like I, I was playing personally with a group of friends who um, I don't know all of, like they're, we're all like friends by proxy. Uh, so we were, you know, we were all like, oh, it's this one specific person. And she's like, nope, screw you guys. It's not me. If you want to just screw yourselves out of, a, out of a win, go for it, vote me out. And we voted her out and she wasn't lying. Like it wasn't her. So it's like, it's a fun game that's made up by the people who are playing it. Um, but like I said, it got really big recently. I mean, you can hear people everywhere just saying like, oh, that's sus, you know? Um, so it, it kind of like got ingrained in our culture pretty quickly. So it doesn't surprise me that it won. Um, it also kind of doesn't surprise me that The Last of Us won, you know, like swept the awards because, uh, I mean, people were joking that like they bribed whoever so that they could win all the awards. But realistically, I mean, that game had a lot of hype and a lot of people waiting for it. It was very obvious that it was going to win a lot of things. Um, but yeah, no, nothing really was a big surprise. You know, all, all the games that won are all games that I've been hearing a lot about over the last year or so. It seems that, I don't want to say they all won on hype, but all of the hyped games seem to have won this year, which is pretty normal. Um, yeah, and, and I know from a, a voting standpoint, it's done by a lot of media. It's like major media outlets that review and critique games are involved in that process. So it's not, uh, you know, Joe Schmoes, it's not Jeff Keeley just going like, well, what do I like? Um, you know, like the process behind that is I'm sure fairly involved. Uh, but I think, I think you're right in saying for me, at least there were very few categories where like I couldn't either a have predicted who would have won that category or, um, was surprised that who won, won. Um, and I'm not saying that makes anything like boring. Um, you know, like uh, score and music, audio design, those are both, I mean, they're creative categories, but they're also very technical categories as well. Um, you know, you could have given it to any one of those games and I would have been like, oh, cool. Okay, yeah, that, that probably deserves it. Um, you know, but I also think the other half of this, and we'll touch upon it, quickly before we move into some of the announcements there um listen we're we're all uh you know older gamers here there are obviously games and categories to this uh ceremony that i'm not going to speak for you guys and feel free to to call me out but 
there was a lot of stuff that I just did not care about. Um, you know, uh, content creator of the year, um, esports athlete, wow. sports coach. And I'm not trying to belittle those things. Um, you know, like I was actually surprised, uh, mentioning content creator of the year because normally that's a list filled of people or you know handles that i have never heard of um you know so it's certainly like the old man yells at cloud category um i i i've been following alana pierce for a long time so i was actually surprised to see her name pop up there as someone i recognize um i don't know anything about the winner um valkyrie I couldn't tell you anything about them, um, but they won. And I guess that's cool. That, that does nothing for me. Um, so, you know, some of these categories are obviously kind of skewing towards a younger demographic, um, but nothing that really like jumped out as, oh, that should have won this category. I was, so, I guess my only surprise truthfully was um, Tony Hawk winning best sports game, um, mainly because it's a, a remake of a game that came out decades ago. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But in retrospect, I think that that actually speaks more to a lack of innovation in some of the more modern sports titles because they're pretty damn good. There's only just, there's only so much you can do, you know, with football or American football that kind of mixes it up year to year and becomes exciting. So maybe in that regard, it was a clear, clear favorite because of just, it was nice to see something different there. I think that's where, where Tony Hawk kind of uh, like the Tony Hawk games kind of ma- I guess made it a good choice where like the f- all these sports games are typically just digital professional sports you know like they're they're very realistic but they're billed as simulated sports yeah but the but Tony Hawk is a little bit fantasy I guess like I mean you can't make jumps like that in real life. I mean, I can play Tony Hawk and just go up one side of a ramp and do a 900, come down and go up the other side and do a 900 again. You know, like I would skateboard over uh, that helicopter and send the helicopter up into the air in the hangar. You know, like it gave them a lot of room to like breathe and really uh, do some cool things with the game as opposed to a soccer game where you're playing soccer or you're not. Um, yes, fantasy. I, I was going to say, I think we would call that arcadey or like a little more of an arcade variant. Um, fantasy Tony Hawk would be like, um, Tony Hawk skating up Mordor and like <laughs> over and gr- I, I don't know the giant eye. I don't even know his name. I didn't mean fantasy as, as a genre. I just meant like typically nonfiction. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, again, there wasn't any major surprises. Game of the year probably for me had the biggest kind of like, I really feel like it's anybody's game with the exception of maybe, I, I don't think Doom Eternal stood a chance. Um, I don't think Animal Crossing really stood a chance on outside of, hey, this, is, this was a perfect year for this game to come out. And I think everyone acknowledges that and says we need this. But, I, you know, it doesn't elevate its status from a gameplay standpoint. Talk about really quick, Tom, because you, in our group chat, you mentioned this and it made me laugh so much. When the orchestra was playing the music and they were showing the footage of all the games and the, um, the titles, like that build up. And then it just, the music 
got like more and more hyped and then it got to Animal Crossing. Like it was just so funny. Um, yes. Okay. So that was the most tense uh, and exciting moment of the night. They did this medley of scores from all the Game of the, uh, Game of the Year nominees. And for whatever reason, listen, I'm not a musician. Maybe, maybe Joe can speak to this. Um, you got games like The Last of Us and Ghost of Tsushima, which have a really unique soundtrack, but are also very quiet. Um, you have Doom and uh, Final Fantasy Remake and Hades, which have like just bawling, epic, but like heavy, grungy kind of music. And all of that built up to, they're, they're going to end this medley with Animal Crossing, which yeah. is like cute and fluffy little thing. And I'm, and I acknowledge this. I'm like, oh, please tell me they're not saving Animal Crossing to the end. And they did. And it was awesome. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. If you can find that like two minute clip online, it is well worth your time, especially if you're familiar with the, the musical scores of these games, because it was just so freaking cool. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, for you folks, and we'll start with Kevin, because I think you already tipped your hat. But what was what was the for you the biggest announcement of the night and why? That smash reveal at the start of the actual award show, like they just, I was, first I was shocked that they started with that. I thought that would be something they saved to like mid to late show, but um, they played that and I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat as a huge Smash Brothers fan. And I'm like, who's it gonna be, who's it gonna be? And the fact that it was Sephiroth, I was just like, what? Like, I was like so excited. I was, I was getting text messages from like, whole bunch of friends and like everybody was freaking out at how awesome that reveal was and how excited they were just that he's in the game um the last couple of days like my cousin's a really big final fantasy 7 fan and he has just been like flipping out that sephiroth is in the game um i personally have never played final fantasy 7 but i like i grew up like when joe i know i have it on my switch it's there for me to play one day when i have actual time because when I start that, it's I'm like gonna, it's gonna be all in. But like I know, yeah. See, I'm I I won't buy the remake until it's fully on one disc. I don't like episodic stuff. I have strong opinions against that. That's fair. Um, so uh, that whole reveal, like the video is amazing. I think I watched it at least ten times on YouTube since that video has gone up. Um, yeah, uh, I'll get my switch. And show you it downloaded. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get my switch right now. But uh, that whole reveal was awesome. Um, a lot of people hyped, and the biggest thing about it was that all most almost everything I've seen as far as speculation for fighters, like he was not mentioned at all. Everybody was like, "Oh, it's going to be Doom Slayer. Oh, it's going to be Crash Bandicoot. Oh, it's going to be Master Chief." And then a couple other people were like, "Sephiroth was on nobody's radar. Maybe just like a few people mentioned him." So like that for me was even more exciting. It just, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, I was trying to guess, of course, right? When the cinematic starts and you're like, okay, let's look for hints, let's look for clues. And yeah. the thing I didn't think about till the end was normally Nintendo's pretty cool with just like, all right, we're gonna introduce this character. And they, they tend to, sometimes at least, change the art style of the trailer to kind of match maybe a character that's being introduced yeah. um, or the setting or location. And um, this obviously had a very mature kind of, you know, high graphic fidelity, very, you know, like I didn't, it makes sense in retrospect that they added this character. I took a shot in the dark, uh, screaming at the TV in the middle um, when the world of light little bird thingy um, 
Wait, bird thingy? Well, I don't know what the hell. It looks like it has wings. I don't know. Oh, Galeem. Oh, my gosh. You haven't even played World of Light, have you? Um, like, at one point, there was, like, a small circle that appeared, and it started to look like it was glowing orange, and my thought was, like, oh, they're bringing Goku into this. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be, and then it was something very different. So They're never bringing Goku into Smash Brothers. I'm going to go on record to say that right now. It's not happening. <laughs> but, uh, it's possible. I mean, not the video game character. We could have that whole discussion another day. We could have that discussion. All I'm going to say is that a lot of the Dragon Ball games are made by Bando Namkai, who have also assisted with Nintendo. Make- did you just, wait a second. Wait a second. Joe, did you hear that? <laughs> I heard it. It's Bandai Namco, Tom. <laughs> you just switched some syllables. Oh. <laughs> you know what I said. All right. I have to go to the re- Bando Namkai. Oh, man. It's okay. Overdub it. Overdub yeah. it. Now, sorry. Okay. Listen, I'm known for doing that. And, it <laughs> and I'm embarrassed, and we're going to move on from that. <laughs> um, Joe, any, uh, any surprises for you that were really big? Um honestly no i mean and kevin was talking about ghosts and goblins or at least it's in the the rundown but like i mean that was weird it was interesting but we're getting a lot of like remakes and stuff like that um but i don't know if everybody can see but this is my dog right here (laughs) there she is just decided she wants to be on the podcast anyway um Yeah, no, there really wasn't anything uh, amazing to me. Not, nothing that really wowed me. Um, I think in the, the rundown, I wrote that uh, I like Jeff's shoes because, again, they just really stood out there. And uh, that there were no horribly awkward moments because anytime we do, especially when they're, they're all virtual, but uh, anytime we have some sort of uh, like a word show or, or a keynote or whatever, Somebody comes in to say something, and it's so weird. You know, like, there's, there's a long pause, or someone says something stupid, or just, like, realistically, the people... Yeah. What's that, Tom? Said, like, Bando Namkai. They- exactly, just like Bando Namkai. Um, but, no, like, the people who work in the industry can be so awkward sometimes, and they just don't have public personalities, like, people who are there for that. So right. they send out, like, a game developer who's just like, yeah, I made the game. Thank you very much, guys. And then they walk off, you know, and usually they have a Swedish accent. You know, like, it's it's always stuff like that. So this one went really smoothly, and I can appreciate that. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. On on top of that, my one of my big surprises, I guess, was that how many games really feel the same? You know, like, and this is, like, not just this year. This is year over year. How, like, how often we're reusing, like, you know, but we had a, there was a time where every shooter that came out was like a World War II shooter. And people were like, please no more World War II shooters. So we moved military shooters into the future. And we got futuristic military shooters. And we got pretty things like Battlefield 4 and stuff like that that looked nice. But like now, I mean, now everything, there was the, the uh, Torok, um, the Torok uh, trailer, which looked like it could have been any of seven other games, you know? Wait, you mean the ARC 2 trailer, but I said it looked like Tarak? That was it. It was <laughs> ARC 2. I like, I get to second. be embarrassed now. <laughs> it was ARC with, with Vin Diesel. But, like, I mean, that was weird, and I guess it was a surprise. But, again, it, it, it look, could have been, like, any of ten other trailers that have come out in the last year to two years. So, I just, there's so many games that just look the same that I don't know what any of them are anymore. I'm tired of seeing the same things rehashed over and over again so speaking of the same things and uh yes that 
arc two trailer which i read online someone called oh yeah you know that dinosaur game passed in the furious and i was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) the biggest awesome uh for me were unfortunately some announcements for games in a long established and well-revered franchise so like there wasn't anything new that jumped out at me um but some of the biggest announcements overall for the night um we got that smash character reveal um, we know that there is a new Mass, game, Mass Effect game in development um, that they couldn't bother to subtitle or just simply call Mass Effect. I forget what they put underneath it. They said Mass Effect will continue, I think. Yeah, but even like graphically, the will continue is in like this like MS Paint style font. It was really weird. Um, a new Dragon Age game, which we know I think has been in the works for a while. Um, for me, I have two at my top. Uh, top as far as the biggest announcements go um one that joanna dark from perfect dark will be making a return in some capacity for a new game that's coming out uh in the near future not near future sorry some future all these games are just reveals we know they exist now but i'm sure it's a few years out before we see anything concrete um that was really exciting and um you know kevin pointed out even in the middle of that trailer there were one or two things that caught our eye and kind of said wait a minute why have i seen this before um, and that ended up being perfect dark. And then yeah, I think not to cut you off a quick time, but like on that on that footage for that reveal of perfect dark, when it panned over the roof of that one building, there was that logo, and I feel like like I texted the group chat right away. I was like, perfect dark, because that was the logo from the building in like the first game. It was like data something, right? I forget data dine or what. I forget what it was. I actually think you are totally right. I'm gonna look it up while you continue. make up for my earlier snafu. Um, <laughs> so that I I love those games. Um, even that correct. It's data dine. I'm impressed. Right. There's my gaming. There's some trivia knowledge for you. Um, but I think the one that I was that probably piqued my interest the most was that we're getting a new game. Um, from, I'm not gonna say, cause I don't wanna be wrong, um, but basically from the developers of the Left 4 Dead franchise. Um, Back for Blood. There was a trailer out there, there was some gameplay footage uh, for a game called Back for Blood. Um, that is obviously the spiritual successor to Left 4 Dead. Same group of people behind it. Uh, I think Valve owns the IP trademark for Left 4 Dead, which is why it's not called that, but they were pretty cheeky in leaving the title back for blood with the four being a, a number and not, you know, spelt out, I think as kind of a little homage to left for dead. Um, I think that is a game that ended before it's time. And I think is perfect for man. I think it's perfect for hopefully local co-op, but uh, online play team play streaming. Like I think, yeah, I think it's a perfect storm. That game is a ton of fun to play. Um, and Joe, I believe you were a fan of that series, no? Yes, that's that's one of my favorites. I, I've sunk so many hours into playing both of those games. So if you're not familiar with Left 4 Dead, um, it was a Xbox 360 exclusive? Or was it's on PC. It's on PC. As well? Um, I'm sorry, for the console side. Yeah, it is on Steam. I think it just got an update not too long ago for the first time in 10 years. But it's basically a like zombie horde shooter where you do have objective like to progress from, hey, you're going to start on this rooftop and you need to make it all the way to the docks and get on this boat. Um, and you kind of encounter different enemy styles on the way or types on the way. Um, that's a fun-ass game. and I recommend everyone checking it out. Now we've got a dog on the screen. <laughs> sorry, audio listeners. You don't get to see... 
the cuteness that is. Um, hopefully, Cassie will be joining us for the rest of the show. Um, Kevin, you you have some Halo-esque things to mention about as far as announcements go. Yeah, just really quick. Um, when they did the Fortnite reveals, uh, it was cool that they revealed Master Chief was coming. Um, I, don't, I personally, I don't play Fortnite, but I know a lot of people do. It's a huge game. Um, that was a cool little reel, but what I liked even more was when they transferred to the red versus blue skit as somebody who remembered that from back in, I don't even remember when that started, but like, I was in high school. Yeah. So it was, it was a long time ago, Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was a cool little touch that they, they partnered up with them and made that little skit to like tie in some other reveals of like, um, that one Halo map, I forget the name, it escapes me. It's something Gulch, I think. Yeah, and uh, Ninja, who was the character in it as well, which just made me feel even older, because here's this guy that gets paid like millions of dollars to be this video game player, and he can't even, like, he doesn't remember the original name of that map, which is Blood Gulch, and I was like yelling at the TV. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot, know your history. Yeah, but that may have been part of the skit. I don't know, but like, it was just a cool thing for especially people that grew up with Halo and stuff, so it was neat to see that. Which was me. It's the reason why I own an Xbox, or have it owned any Xboxes for Halo. So, needless to say, when Infinite comes out, I will be an Xbox Series X owner. Okay, um, that's going to wrap up our section on the Game Awards. I feel like that went a lot longer than I had intended, but I wanted to move in talking uh, next about what we would consider our Games of the Year. Um, which it could be a tough category depending on how much you played this year. As always, I try and play everything, and um, it's it's hard to. Uh, as a multi-console owner, um, which is I'm not going to get into that. It's a separate thing. I'm getting on a tangent myself. Um, <laughs> so I, listen, I, I put a, we put a video out on the channel um, of the top five, and obviously that that stems from my opinion. But we're here with Kevin and Joe, and I'm really hoping that. Uh, you guys can add something that maybe we haven't talked about yet. Um, Kevin, what did you play this year that really stood out to you? And you would, you would kind of stand behind, hey, this is my 2020 game of the year. Okay. Um, I will preface this as saying that I currently am not a multi-console gamer. Um, my playtime has diminished immensely due to many factors. So I haven't had time to play a lot of games. But for me personally... My game of the year, as far as what came out this year, is uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I am a, a very, very big Legend of Zelda fan, and the reveal of that game, which came out of nowhere, was awesome. And the parts that I've played so far, I've, I'm just extremely enjoying the game. And it is the first Warriors style or Musou game that I have ever played. And uh, I'm just enjoying it a lot, especially with you know, the story of the game and the gameplay. It's, it's just, I'm having a lot of fun with it. And it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I didn't sink my teeth into that enough before I did my Game of the Year uh, video. So that might be on the cusp of bleeding into next year. Um, I, very, I'm enjoying it way more than I thought I would. I agree with you. Yeah, it was a, a surprise game with more depth than I would have given it credit for. Um, Joseph? Uh I honestly didn't play a lot of like new games that came out this year. You oh, know, Borderlands and Metal Gear Solid and nothing else. Yeah, a lot of. Um, no, I, I, I honestly, uh, through like that group of friends that I was talking about with, uh, with Among Us, we we had just started like a group chat kind of recently. So I've been playing a lot of like 
not older games, but slightly older games um, that we could all play as a group. So we've been playing a lot of Borderlands. We've been playing Among Us. Um, you know, I was telling you guys before that they had just gotten me into uh, the Final Fantasy MMO. So I've been playing a lot more stuff like that. Um, that said, I mean, I, I, I played good job. Uh, I, I finally, you know, put down the money for it. And that was kind of cute. And that was, did that even come out this year? I think it came out this year. I think it was in the... I forget when that came out officially. Well, it was cute nonetheless. Um, <laughs> you know, it was it was a fun game. Um, that said, at the beginning of this year, uh, I got Doom Eternal when it came out, and Doom Eternal was very, very good. Uh, I'm actually, I, some other stuff, like I started playing other games, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm at, like, the final boss, so I haven't completed it yet, but I put almost the entire, you know, played through almost the entirety of the game, and it's it's a game that really knew how to evolve but also like play to its strengths um you know i i personally prefer doom 2016 but i think doom eternal is actually a better game overall because like i said it evolved on what it was good at it also knows that doom itself is a little it doesn't take itself too seriously you know like it, yeah. it knows it's a little bit silly it knows that its fans uh like a little bit of silliness to it so the you know the gore is it gets out of hand. It goes over the top because it knows that that's what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, it was, it, it was just, it was a very well done game. I have not played the DLC for it yet, but the, the game itself was very well done. It was fun to play. Um, also, you had mentioned before, this isn't its own standalone game, but the update to Left 4 Dead was really good. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was worth, you know, putting any amount of time into. So that was enjoyable too. Okay. Yeah. Doom's on my list. I, I did not play it this year. I know it's been on sale a lot recently for like 30 bucks, which is like, okay, that's, that, that seems like a good price, even though I got a stack of games here that I haven't gotten to since they were bought in November, but that's how it goes the end of the year. Um, well, cool. Thanks for sharing those guys. As if you've seen my top five video, um, then you know my game of the year. And if you haven't, check out that video. I feel like it's done really well. But um, to recap, my, my game of the year was The Last of Us Part Two. Um, I'm a huge fan of that series, and as someone who, uh, you know, writes and does short films and narrative work and has a, has a real penchant and appreciation for what goes in the storytelling, um, I loved it. I know there's a lot of animosity within the gaming community, you know, with people just hating the direction that that, that story went, and thus that translates to the actual game itself. The game is fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, it's one of those games where... I've already started replaying it. Um, you know, when I get a PS5, I will play through it a third time because it'll look a little bit nicer. Um, and not that it didn't look bad, it was stunningly gorgeous. Um, and I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, there we go, sorry, I got it. Um, that, that's, that's one of those games where I wish that I can erase my memory and experience it for the first time every time I play it. And I, obviously that will never be able to happen. Um, and if they come out with a part three, man, I'm sure it's going to be something special because, uh, you know, credit to the writer, Neil Druckmann, he knows what he's doing there. And I, I think the risks that he took with that story paid off for me in a really awesome and meaningful way. Um, I go into more depth with it in my video, so I'm not going to rehash all that. Um, but that was obviously my top choice. All right, everybody, thank you for watching part one of our podcast. This became so big, we opted to split it into two parts. So I hope you all stay tuned for that next. Uh, we'll be going through our games of the year, year by year, 
for the last 10 years and then having a nice heated discussion and on and debate on what we will consider the game of the decade so i'm really looking forward to doing all of that with kevin and joe uh, in part two stay tuned for that kevin and joe thank you for being here today um hope you guys enjoy the rest of your evening and week and uh, we'll see everybody in the second half of this episode thank you for listening to part one and uh hope you're excited for part two coming soon see ya (laughs) 